Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, now, let's get started. All right, Mark Shepard, how are you, my man? Great to see you. Good to see you guys. Awesome. So, Mark, tell us a little bit about your business, where you're based, uh, type of projects you do, and who you've got on your team, etc. Okay. So we're uh, we're a renovation specialist. Our area of specialty is kind of wet areas, things like uh, bathrooms, uh, kitchens, laundries. Uh, we also do full full house renovations. I don't do extensions and new builds, and that's just sure. not my market. Why did you choose those types of jobs and how big typically are most of the jobs that you do? Actually, it's interesting because it's actually changing and it's continuing to change. I kind of got into it because there's a real creative aspect to it. You build a square box, it's a square box and you paint it. You know, that's an extension. You can really, putting a beautiful kitchen and a beautiful laundry and absolutely stunning bathroom in a house can just totally transform it. Yeah, hundred percent. They they say the most impact uh, on a house house's value is typically the kitchen and the bathroom. Yeah, and the market we've really been developing the market over the last twenty years to sort of just take it up to a real professional kind of business. It's traditionally it's happened in other sectors of the business of the building industry, but the renovation sector has traditionally been very um, small scale. You know, one two guys trying to make a living doing a bathroom for 20 grand. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And um, it was kind of very cottage industry. And I saw that as an opportunity to, we could really do something. We could be delivering, you know, magazine level quality um, and people will pay. And we've proven that they will pay if they can get the outcomes they want. So tell us a little bit about how you started and where you want to take the business. So I started off on the, on the tools myself more than 20 years ago now and basically i did every everything everything from you know sales carpentry tiling you know every aspect of the job plastering and painting i was doing it myself and and i kind of saw an opportunity within that so i started to really look at how i can transform the business and i kind of worked on systems and processes and getting what we know right and that's a very long time to find the right systems and processes and products once, once I sort of did that, then I started to build a team around those systems and processes. And now we've got uh, 20, 21 staff, um, possibly 22. I'm just waiting on a guide, a new guy. What's your structure in the office there, mate? Who are so you? we run a pretty lean structure. So we do, at any one stage, we'll have at least 20 jobs on the go. Wow. Wow. Uh, at various stages of build. What do those jobs range from in size? In value, anywhere from 50 to 150-ish, 200, probably more. Probably the average is about 100, 120, 130-ish. Yep, awesome. So so with that structure, we've only got, I've got an office manager who's excellent. She does all our HR, all our accounts, a lot of customer liaison. I just found the right person and I'm paying her very well. I have two interior designers on staff. So they employees or contractors yes. that you call upon? No, they're employees. Awesome. Uh, and honestly, you couldn't get what we what we get with our interior designers. You could not get. It would cost you 
a ridiculous amount to get the same level of service for our clients. Awesome. At what stage did you realize that you needed an office manager and what roles does she fulfill? Uh, I knew I needed an office manager probably about four years ago. I had a family member doing that role, but it was kind of a fill-in role. And um, she sort of decided to move on and go and study medicine, which is um, great. And, and so when I started looking for someone who was going to be able to be another me, I started specifically looking for, uh, and I started with a recruiting firm. I, I was looking for someone particularly special. I ended up, funny enough, because the recruiting firm we'd used a lot, and the person that I was working with was the, uh, she's had a lot of experience. She used to be the state manager for one of the retail stores, one of the, like Supre, she had like 80, 90 staff underneath her. And so we sort of, and they knew us, they, they kind of knew our business. She already, already had some good experience, good infrastructure, understood like HR. Yeah, getting the right person. And it took about three to six months and then just released her into a role and just said, look, the nature of this type of business is that your role's going not going to be the same. And as she's grown, she's just taken over much more responsibility. How did that compare? If you were hiring again for the same role, would you go more for experience or industry experience? Because quite a... No experience. Industry experience is irrelevant. Yep. Um, Love it. It's irrelevant. You shouldn't be limiting... The only, the only things you want in terms of industry experience is when you're hiring technical people. Yep, 100%. You know, I've got a guy who came on as my PA. He's got a master's in computing and a master's in uh, statistics. Wow. And a uh, brilliant guy, writes programs for us, has no idea about the building industry. But boy, you know, you hire the right people. Wow. It's a game changer, isn't it? This is why I didn't want someone from another building company because yep. I'll be just importing their mistakes. Yeah, 100%. Have you read that book, uh, Who Not How? No, no, I haven't. Game changer, absolute game changer. And right. the whole philosophy is around, if you want to do something, you get rather than trying to figure everything out, go and find the person that's already done that successfully multiple times. Yeah. And it's going to get you from A to B 10 times faster. And you're not going to be overloaded. You're going to increase the capacity and scope of what you can do. Yeah. Absolute game changer. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about why did you decide to join the professional builder? What were you looking for? What were you wanting to gain or understand or what was missing? I'll give some background. I've actually got extensive management qualifications. I've got a, a Bachelor of Commerce in Management mm -hmm. and with a couple of sub-specialties. And I also got a, a Master's in Business. Awesome. Where, where from? ANU. And I also partway through a Master of Law. Awesome. Jesus, just in case you get bored. Just in case you get bored. Now, like we've grown the business, but I think when you're on your own, you kind of, you could put in really good structures, which is kind of how we got to the size that we are with the turnover we are. But without sort of fresh input, you kind of come to the point of impasse. You don't know how to take the next steps. And it's hard. You can't, you don't have, like I've got quite a few uh, contacts in the industry you can't peel back the curtains and see the mechanics of how they're doing well and what they're doing well. I think that's very hard for us. It's a fairly egotistical industry is to reach that point where you go, I need help. Yeah. And I think it's good having a community of people who are at 
a similar level and also people who are one or two steps above who might have solved problems yeah. that or steps that you're going through in your growth. I think I got to the point of frustration where I didn't know, I've always likened to this, you know, and I've always said to my staff, I said, we have no idea what direction we're going in. We're fumbling our way through the dark. There's a kind of light at the end of the tunnel, but we're kind of, <laughs> you know, I don't have all the answers. We're going to make mistakes along the road. Yep. And yeah, we've made some doozies and it's cost some, it's cost some bundles of money. <laughs> yep. Uh, so we learned, you know, the university of mistakes. What were some of your biggest mistakes? Hiring the wrong people. And lessons, I guess, from those. So hiring yeah. the right, wrong person? Uh, hiring the wrong people. Yep. On site or what? Both. What would you do differently? So um, what the lessons from that? We've since instituted, you know, you go through the, you, you need someone and therefore you choose someone. That's a really easy mistake to make. We've instituted a much more thorough process, much more, you know, like I interviewed a guy on Sunday afternoon and then Monday uh, we met him on site and he spent a couple of hours on site with the seeing what we do talking to the staff I left him to talk with the staff about the process what we do why we do and then get the feedback from our staff oh this guy knows what he's doing he's interested he's he's and they're vested because I, I said to them, look, you guys have to give me the feedback because you might work with him. And if he's a bit of a dick, you don't want to be working with him. We've given um, much more control on hiring and firing to my staff. For the first time, my project manager's basically, you know, he's had the uh, ability to send people home and say, don't come tomorrow. DCM, don't come yep. Monday. Don't come Monday. Yep. You know, oh, I want to talk to Mark. Well, you can come and see him, but he's going to, and I'll just back him up. Look, you know, yep. they fired you. They fired you for a reason. What's that done for your staff? Like, what else have you done with your team that has helped raise the level of culture? That's a really uh, good question. I mean, benefit, going back to hiring the right person, hiring the office manager. She's very experienced in, in staff development. And, and so we started, you know, before we had the program, we'd started to put in much more sort of formal processes. And, but it kind of fed in and we used some of the framework that you guys have to really formalise our structure, clarify performances. We're yep. still kind of, we've, we've basically like got- um, For your team. Performance reviews, yeah. The whole thing, what you've done well, where you need to develop. And that's given a lot more certainty because the guys know for the most part, they're doing well and they're getting really positive feedback and that's giving them that confidence. We've also increased their wages slightly because our margins have gone up a little bit. During the lockdown, everyone I know in the industry basically shut down, done. We were in, ACT was not like any other state. We were in, we were in lockdown. You cannot leave your home. Um, the only work that can happen was emergency plumbing and emergency electrical work. Right. Yeah. Um, and going to Raiders games. Yeah. Yeah. Certain protests seem to be okay, but we took the opportunity rather than stand everyone down. We, since I was already doing the development of the, of the, um, of the uh, program and, and I was doing my best to try and get through that. What we did was we instituted a whole range of training for the guys, everything from technical skills, effective communications, management. We developed 18 hours face-to-face -face training with us a week. Wow. So, so rather than sort of stand them down full time, which everybody else in the industry did, we took this as an opportunity to, to continue to pay them. The government offered us, Oh, they got paid seven fifty a week if they were stand, stood down more than uh, down to uh, less than twenty hours. What we did was we agreed to make up their income to normal. Sure, awesome. And they they do training in place. 
that changed their mindset. It's given them a whole heap of buy-in. They see how committed we were. You know, I can't tell you how much it cost me. It cost me a great deal of money. Well, um, think of it as an investment, right? Investment in, in your team, in your staff, in your resilience, in your culture. Yep. And that kind of investment is paying itself. You know, the boys are, have just turned around and saying, you know, I want more responsibility. Yeah, I want to be involved. I, you know, um, no, I don't agree with that. I, they're more invested in the in the business because they see that we didn't leave them hanging during a period where they got young kids and mortgages yeah. and they were going to get seven fifty a week and couldn't afford to eat. Yeah, 100%. So, so. One of the things that we've been doing each quarter for the last year is we sit down with each of our team and we work out where do you want to go? Like, do you want to buy a house? Do you want to run, run your own business? Do you want to run a marathon? Like, what do you want? Okay, cool. How can we help you achieve your goals? What do yeah. you need in skills, resources? So if someone wants to go from making 60 to 100 grand, like Isabella, my office manager, I'm like, cool. Okay, so we've got some sales uh, projects that you can do, but you're going to have to gain some skills. So let's get, a, get you on a course. We've got some marketing stuff. You can oversee events. So I think a massive thing is aligning yeah. what the team wants, their goals, with the company goals. And quite often the company has to grow and invest in the people yes. to see that flywheel effect. That's exactly uh, what we what we were doing with the whole with the whole process. Where do you want to go? This is where you're sitting now, skills wise. This is where you're sitting. These are the opportunities. If we continue to grow, this is this is where you can, you know, where do you want to be? And oh yeah, I, I want to be a leading hand. All right. Well, these are the steps you need to get to. These are the skills and and training you need to get there. And it, it's, it's uh, transformed. A, such a crucial step because one of the hardest things, obviously, is not so much getting work, but building a great culture and then having that culture speak for itself in terms of a landing page, your values, your marketing, because you've got to be marketing to get great team members and build them into a great culture with accountability, visibility, scorecards, yeah. weekly meetings. And that's going to help tenfold once you start getting that out for your hiring process. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, look, it's it's very it's a very tough mindset, um, particularly when you're short-staffed and you need people. What are a couple of other things that you've implemented that have moved the needle significantly either for yourself or the team or the business yeah there's a number of things we'd previously developed some pretty good systems but they weren't very refined for clients to walk through and processes what i really understood i got out of this was once you hand over the power that's gone in the relationship yep. but you're the expert and it creates a very very needy client if you give them the power of the relationship they will drive that and sometimes god bless them they don't necessarily understand every aspect of what we're doing and they will try and drive. That's where the framing up, you know, here's what's going to happen before construction starts. Yep. This is the project manager who's going to be yep. on site. There's going to yep. be a weekly meeting. Here's yep. what will happen in the report. Here's what you'll be getting in terms of forecast yep. versus actual. If there's anything that you want changed during the job and it's bigger than this, then you talk to the yep. foreman, he'll sign, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So creating um, essentially bowling alley rails <laughs> to keep the ball rolling and very clear systems and processes. You know, I've included that in my contract. I have an excellent contract and I've just, I've re just rewritten it to, to literally keep funneling the clients through and us keep the client's needs as the high priority to have the process within a really clear framework to keep them, you know, because once they start wanting to jump back a step, it's rework. 100%. That doesn't come for free. And, you know, you go through your sales channel and if they want to go back to, 
to one after they've signed the contract, you know, there's a huge company cost for it. 100%. So, and how do you frame that up in both the sales process? So variations, capturing them, implementing them, what actually constitutes a variation? How do you frame that up in the sales process and then during the job? So if you're not on site now. Well, I'll tell you the biggest change that I've made um, in a minute. We've got our interior designers. And so what they do is they take the client shopping, do all the product selections and everything like that. That's where a lot of the variations captured. I need this electrical. I want this done. Whilst you're here, I'm going to, I want that door moved. We have a systemized process where you want this, it's this much. Yep. So it's all documented. They can be on the shopping trip and saying, I want that heated tower rail. I want underfloor heating. I, I want this over there. You know, I want it. And they can just look at the list and go, yep, this is how much it is. Standardized costing. And that way we don't have someone making stuff up. Um, which we've had in the past where people have put variations in like for a couple of hundred bucks for $1,200 worth of work by yeah. accident. And uh, that's the big thing. As long as you frame up to them, hey, that this part might be $150, but we, yep. we might have to ring around three suppliers, get it priced up, get it ordered, get it delivered, et cetera. So yeah. in terms of admin time, everyone else's time, this could it's, be $1,000. Yeah, that's right. There were things that we were doing that we weren't capturing like we'd order client stuff. And I, I just had an epiphany the other day. A client wanted a special special custom-made vanity um, from a supplier in Sydney. And, and they saw it online. But it's $110 transport. But it's also a $40 credit card fee because it's a pretty expensive custom item. Yep. Plus the hour for us to deliver, uh, to organise it. Plus we've got to receive it, deliver it and get it out to site. You know, it's just stuff we were never, you know, oh, yeah, we'll get that for you. Don't worry. 100%. Yeah, it's, it's cost me 300 bucks to do it. So is that one of the biggest changes or what's one of the biggest? Um, no, actually, the way in which my sales process has dramatically changed. Previously, there was this anxiety. You've got to keep the wheels running. Got to keep the wheels running. Do quotes, do quotes, do quotes, do quotes, do quotes. And my so much of my week was consumed chasing clients. We regard ourselves and most of the industry regards ourselves as locally as an industry leader, but we didn't respect ourselves as that. I probably get anywhere between 20 and 50 leads a week for the work we do. And, you know, trying to keep up. How do you get most of those, Mark? For us, it's mostly word of mouth. We don't do much in the way of advertising. The whole community here is, uh, it's kind of weird. It's a small, big country. I thought that about Canberra. It's, it's very, like everybody knows everybody. Honestly, it's a, you get in with a, a particular community and someone wants something done and you will get that job. Awesome. So most of our work comes through referral. But what we were doing was we were just chasing all the dross as well. So I've instituted a very friendly, very formal sales screening process. We're taking the time with all inquiries to go through the sales script and it depends it'll be modified depending on the client so if you know someone comes up and they've got a pick you know you kind of know the area they're in and they know and the first thing to say we're trying to get something done cheap you talk them through look these are the real costs of renovating these are the end of contract costs and they use oh, but i thought you could do it for twenty thousand dollars well no it's like yeah it's not that i want two bathrooms and a kitchen done and i've got twenty five thousand. I can recommend you to a great builder just down the road. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but I'll, I'll give them the info. I think part of our responsibility 
you know, if you believe that you're a market leader, you need to be prepared to educate your clients. 100%. Even if you can't help them, you're helping them because you might be helping them from being ripped off and they will tell their friends, this guy, I couldn't help me, but, you know, he couldn't help me, but gee, I tell you what, he was so helpful. You know, you should call him, you know, I can't afford him, but yeah, you know, and that's how we get a lot of our referrals. Word of mouth. How, how's your mindset and leadership change going through the program? Dramatically. Instead of me doing all things, I've kind of abdicated a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. to people and I let them sort stuff out. I've equipped them to, and I've trained them previously. I just never really fully released them. And now, you know, my project manager came in the other day and stripped the entire board for next year off nearly six months worth of work and it's all sitting there and i just said well, you guys better come back in and fix this yeah because i have no idea i'm telling clients you know we might be able to do your job in june or something like that but i have no idea where my board is sure but for them to have that confidence to be able to do that is very freeing actually because it's not my problem you know they're going to do the right thing and and they're equipped and they're they're paid to do it i don't have to do it and that's a really challenging mindset to, uh, to, to change because you feel when this is your baby, you have to be in control. And the reality is you actually don't. Yeah. Well, yeah, you just need the right structure and processes set up so that you can still monitor it. So it's like trust, yes. but verify. Yep. You need to inspect what you expect. Yeah, that doesn't mean you're completely checked out. Um, you're still across everything but you're not in control of everything, which is a very, very different, you know, you sort of, you, you sort of, you have that heli- uh, helicopter view of what's happening. You're still across all the bits and pieces, but you just know someone, about, someone's taking care of it. What about numbers wise and reporting wise? We've put our prices up fairly substantially. Mm-hmm. What's the bathroom probably in the order of three to $4,000 mm-hmm. on how big a job just for the work component of a bathroom. We were traditionally, around up 12 months ago we we're about 21 22 probably six months ago we we're about 23 24 and now we're probably sitting between 26 and 33 and awesome. pushing it up you know i just found out the other day that a couple of my major competitors have um, up their prices fairly substantially and they're and i always want to be thousands of dollars dearer than them because we are better you nice. know so we've just started uh, i've just bumped up our prices again is that um, starting to flow through to the bottom line? We won't see that for, we really won't see that because of the lag. Probably three to six months, we'll see that come through. Our lead time on all projects at the moment is six months anyway. We won't see this gotcha. until sort of getting towards the mid next year. What I've done, um, this is an interesting, I really studied your sales processes and techniques. I have one, if you could see my board, you'd be surprised. I haven't visited a, three clients two in the last two weeks, but I haven't visited a client for three months. So even during lockdown, um, the inquiries dropped off, but they started to pick up towards the end. We've been picking up probably anywhere between one and four major projects a week without even visiting them. Wow. What's contributed to that or been the biggest lever or is it everything in the sales process? Like what's made the... Confidence in myself, to be honest. And, and talking to the clients. You know, the reality is when you're doing discrete renovations, uh, everyone thinks, oh, you're going to need to go out there and measure up. I just need a set of plans and a couple of photographs. That, that's all I need. 
And I've been quoting, I've won probably in the order of about a million and a half bucks worth of work in the last couple of weeks, sight unseen. Epic. Happy days. What's your conversion rate like over, say, the last 10, 10 jobs? Well, my selection process for dealing with clients, I reject somewhere between 70 and 80% of inquiries. Awesome. I'll educate them. I'll spend 20, 30 minutes talking to them, helping them. Then with a 20%, there's usually, people usually don't make decisions straight away, but it's probably anywhere between 10 and 30%. It's a kind of a weird cycle. Some weeks it's 30% and then other weeks it just, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. We haven't been able to understand what that is. But there's usually about a, usually a 20 to 30 day lag between when we've quoted but we also do lots of follow-ups. We call them every week. Hey, you've got any questions? But before we've even quoted, we've already told them est- industry estimates, what these are industry averages. Average bathroom comes between this and this. Average kitchen comes between this and this. Yep. They're already primed. Awesome. I love it. But, and where do you want to take the business in the future? What do you go? Because you're establishing a good, really good structure with great team culture, good foundation, much better margins. What's your vision like for the future? Um, I've never really, I've always done this for fun. Hey, (laughs) this has been a bit bit more of a passion uh, rather than I've got a five-year plan to retire. I don't actually have a future plan, to be honest. Um, I just want to keep growing the business. I may establish a wing up in Queensland because I've got family roots up there. It's something that could be replicated. I nearly bought a friend of mine's, he's got a very similar business in Western Australia. I nearly bought his, mm-hmm. but it was just too far, you know. If yeah. it had been Brisbane, I would have bought it. To be honest, I just want to keep developing it because this is what I, it's just interesting. Yeah. Once I don't you have this. That, the shackles of having it all on your shoulders and you get that off and power your team, you understand your numbers, you improve your profits. It's amazing how you can free your headspace. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everyone says, oh, I'm going to take over the world or I'm going to be the biggest of this and that. Um, I just want to see where we can take it. And and that's what gives me, that's what drives me. You know, we're sort of doing three uh, house renovations. We previously were doing three to four, but COVID sort of skittled that, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That'd be fantastic. I've always had a short term, you know, I'd like to be doing five a week. I've sort of, this process is actually skittled that idea about having a particular vision about where you see it because that becomes quite limiting what i'm focused on not so much where we're going but more on what we're doing if that means that we can continue to replicate and book out further you know i think at the moment we're about we'd have to be close to six seven months booked out now and what is that how much is that in your pipeline how much would that be yeah in terms of dollar amount probably three million Awesome. Two, two and a half, three million. Yeah. So, so my, my focus has been more, more on uh, just developing the business. And if we continue to grow, I made the mistake of trying to grow too fast and didn't have the systems and processes in place. That's the other end of it. So that kind of explains why. So now I want to get the, get everything right so that we can continue to grow organically. And if that means we get to, to, you know, five or six renovations a week, that's good, but as long as I don't go back to working 100-hour weeks yeah, 100%. to do it, if that makes sense. What, what are you doing time-wise now? 
I got fat as a pig sitting on my butt, getting off the tools. And uh, I enjoy I enjoy food and I enjoy smoking food and pork bellies and stuff. So, oh, you sound like yark. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I really haven't been taking care of myself. I, I just haven't. Um, working stupid hours for many years. I've really started to um, change what we do. We've got onto a meal plan, you know, one of those deliver your meals sort of things. So mm-hmm. otherwise I'll eat incorrectly. I've got a personal trainer. So we're going to gym, you know, three times a week and we've bought some exercise equipment for home instead of just, you know, in the evening collapsing in front of the TV, we can it's leave what it's about, walk right? like It's becoming the best version of you. Yeah. For yourself, for your family, for your team. That yeah. I've become- always had a very high... I've always had this, uh, I'd probably say a drive, which is probably greater than most people. That also can be quite self-destructive because you the, you don't look after yourself. Yeah. And I, truthfully, I haven't been looking after myself. We've proven to the industry, you know, like the average client probably two years ago was spending, I think, around 28 to 30,000 on a bathroom. Our average client, through just professionalizing it and giving and just servicing their needs off our average client spending 46 to six, 46 to 50 thousand dollars a bathroom so good so we've really and i think that could be replicated everywhere 100 percent. what would you say to a building company owner who is wanting to change their situation or maybe they feel like you know they're stuck in groundhog day um yeah what should they do to be honest it's very hard to do it yourself i had a few hiccups through the TPV process with an unfortunate death in the family, which, you know, sucked Sorry, up. and that's, that sort of, you know, slowed me down, but I'll continue to work on and improving. I will tell you, it's not easy to change where you're at. It takes the willingness. If you're not prepared to change your situation, don't bother doing it. If you're going to sit trying to do the old things or you're going to fight against it, it's just not worth doing. If you've come to the end of yourself and you realize that you can be better and what you can do be better is is better and you don't know the way forward then absolutely do the process we've taken most of the things we haven't i haven't got through everything because of our circumstance but we modified it for ourselves and our situation so i think you know um listening to others going wow that's a really good idea i hadn't thought of that it's just been invaluable you know um watching the forums it's been a great community process of we've had this problem this is how we fixed it Holy crap, I would never have thought of that. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, good thing is you can, you know, you can ring the people up, you can get in touch with them, you can yeah. talk to the other members, talk to all the coaches. Yeah. If you think you've got it all together and you think you know everything, then no system's going to help you. But if you realize there is a better way and that you can't do everything, and if you're working more than eight to ten hours a day, five days a week. You need to change what you're doing. I built my business on raw sweat, working 18 to 20 hours a day, seven days a week for the best part of 20 years, which was dumb. It was dumb. My kids growing up, you know, missed a lot of things because of it. To the young fellas out there, you don't have to do that. You can make all of the positive changes without killing yourself. What do you think stops people looking at, uh, you know, a coach or a coaching program? Like you're saying this now, what might have happened, you know, 10, 15 years ago? What stops people in that mindset? Do you I think, think the um, uncertainty is one thing. Egos. Yeah. Uh, certainly another thing. Like, oh, I'm not going to have people tell me what to do. 
um, where I know what I'm doing. I, you can't possibly understand because my business is so unique. Or this is my baby failure to, you know, um, smothering the smothering it too much. Trust, yeah, is a is a big factor. I didn't look to this as a panacea, yep. but I was quite, you know, I went in quite suspicious, and I was like, but I needed to be doing something, and I couldn't find anything really that was suited to my industry. But having had that experience and been through it, look, um, yeah, totally worthwhile. But you've got to be prepared to change. And if you're not prepared to change, nothing anybody does is going to help you. Awesome. All right, Mark, I appreciate seeing good people like you do good things and get great results. You've setting up your business awesomely to really take it to the next level. Uh, it's been great talking with you today. Appreciate you and I appreciate your time. No worries. Thanks, guys. I've really appreciated your assistance over the last couple of months. Right, our pleasure, and I look forward to catching up in uh, Canberra at some stage when we come over. Yeah, yeah, feel free to drop in. Will do, as soon as all this COVID stuff sorts itself. Yeah, that's right. All right, brother. Thanks, Mark. Have an awesome Cheers, day. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Yeah, bud. Bye.